This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. We're having we're having some difficulty, but I think we're up and running. Um, I'm recording on my end, so I've got a double recording. So hopefully we won't have any issues uh, going forward. So we're into the silly season, as I call it. Um, it's now past Labor Day. The uh, election is serious now. Uh, there's going to be an election in November, and we can't pretend that somebody isn't going to win. Um, so I'm going to – I live in a very rural area right now. Tony, you live in a much more urb, suburban area. Yeah, I don't live in an urban area. <laughs> no, suburb, suburban by, by comparison to where I'm at right now. Um, but as I, as I travel around and I, I walk around my neighborhood and see different things, I, I'm kind of lulled into this sense that outside of some urban areas, I'm seeing mostly Trump signs. But I know that we live in Pennsylvania, and the Democrats usually win the cities, and the Republicans usually win the countryside. Unfortunately for the Republicans, the countryside is not as populous as the cities. So most times the state goes the way of the city, and other than 2016, it's been pretty much, I guess back to George H.W. Bush, it's been pretty much a Democratic uh, state for the most part. Uh are you optimistic, pessimistic, somethingistic for the for Republican victory in November for, for president? Well, I, I should say. I'm completely pessimistic just in terms of the process. Okay. I am now more and more convinced uh, that we are not going to have an elected president for possibly weeks, if not months. Uh, until after this election. I think that's by I, design. I see fewer and fewer ways that we are going to avoid. Uh, because here's what's going on, Chad. If you've been paying any attention, the Democrats are already telegraphing the fact that they simply will not accept any outcome other than Joe Biden winning this election. And we've talked about this before where they haven't they haven't accepted Trump's election. And of course, they've been attempting to overturn it for the last now going on four years. But the way this election is going to play out uh, with these mail-in ballots, there's literally going to be no way that the media will allow Trump to declare himself the victor. And then it's going to be another one of these exercises where we have the corrupt, let's count until we reach the number that we need. There will be litigation in multiple swing states. The only way that this is avoided is if Trump somehow wins so resoundingly is ahead in so many different states that he wasn't expected to win that the what they're planning would be fruitless. But I don't envision that happening. The nation is too closely divided. Trump is too polarizing. Um, this is going to be a close election, I think. And so basically, we will not be waking up on November 3rd uh, with any idea of who has won, and the media will never, ever declare that Trump has won, even if they believe he has won, because that's how corrupt they are. They have they have basically decided 
we either have President Joe Biden or the country will be in chaos in perpetuity. We will not allow another four years of this guy. So for the most part, I agree with you. I think we've already had the stage set and it's been repeated ad nauseum by most of the talking heads that Trump will look like he went won on election night, but Biden will win based on the mail-in ballots because most of the Democrats, uh, registered Democrats, say they're going to vote by mail, a vast majority of them. So expect that that's what the, the narrative is. So you're right. I think there, there's going to be enough manufactured uh, votes to squeak out a win for uh, uh, old Biden here. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure how you combat that because basically every Democratic state has said they're going to have free, free-flowing mail-in ballots. It, it's just it, whatever you want to vote, we're going to vote. And, and it's, it's basically, and I don't know if we talked about this, but it's basically junk mail. They're basically going to send you a ballot with no validation that what you're sending back equates to an actual person who is eligible to vote. So, well, keep in mind as well that because this has never been done on a national scale, there are certain states that have, you, know, you always hear these arguments, well, there's already states that use this and it's fine and there's no, well, okay, first of all, it's not fine. And it's, it's kind of one of these deals that, well, we never actually try to see if there's voter fraud. And so therefore there is no voter fraud. It's like, well, yeah, that's because you haven't put anything in place to determine this. And in fact, the New York Post uh, a couple weeks ago had an interesting investigative piece uh, by a guy who was a Democratic Party. I think you may have referenced this in another show. He was a Democratic Party activist who went through chapter and verse anonymously how it is so easy to engage in fraud using mail-in ballots. And that was just in a previous iteration where this was not being done at a national level. These are state and local elections. The opportunity uh, the incentive for fraud here is is simply unfathomable. And and to your point, what people need to understand is this is not like absentee balloting. Okay, mail ballots, as you said, they are sent out to every person. And by the way, this includes voter rolls that have not been confirmed or purged for years. So there are thousands of ballots, potentially countrywide, millions of ballots that are going to someone who used to live in an address six years ago is no longer there. It's now sitting in a mailbox with somebody who is completely different. And the idea that there are not going to be unscrupulous people who can open these, fill them out, it's easy enough to photocopy something, make it look like a ballot, and send that in. I mean, do you think there's going to be careful vetting of whether it's actually a ballot? This is a disaster. And they and look, the Democrats intentionally want it to be a disaster Mm -hmm. because they want the ability to claim after the fact, after week one or week two, hey, guess what? Ding, ding, ding. In Broward County, we have now gotten past the threshold. We win. Stop counting. Right. That's the that's the you keep counting until you win and then and then it's over. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we're, we're heading, and by the way, Chad, if that does, if this is the scenario, and let's say Trump does win and has significant leads in multiple swing states like Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, so that he has a rather large electoral college lead at the end of voting, 
If they then tilt all those states back after quote unquote counting, right. I believe that there's potential here for, for massive, massive unrest on both sides. Well, <clears throat> you, you alluded to the unrest earlier on. Um, I don't know how to, there is no rest because I think if Biden wins, you've emboldened the crazies to keep pushing for more craziness. And if he doesn't win, you've emboldened them to burn it all down because obviously they can't get a fair election because their guy didn't win. You know, that. And, and I, I want to be very clear on this. I don't want to mix anything here. I blame Hillary Clinton and I blame Barack Obama. Both are very divisive uh, candidates, President Obama, who claim that they're here to unite. All they have done since 2008 is divide and divide and divide and divide and keep telling you, you didn't get your way, therefore, you should do something about that. You need to stand up and you need to do this, that, and the other thing. You saw last night in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, Lancaster City, there was a protest because a cop shot an armed man. An armed Hispanic man with a knife was shot outside his home after the police were called because he was threatening the woman in the house. And the protesters came out and they were, they destroyed downtown, not destroyed, they, they damaged downtown Lancaster because of a good, what would appear based on the body cam, a good shooting. Not, not, not that somebody dying is a good thing, but the, the, the L.A. County sheriffs getting, uh, getting shot just based on sitting in their car. You know? Well, actually, and I want to I talk a little bit more about that. Uh, so if people didn't hear this, there were two Compton uh, sheriff's deputies that were um, – they, somebody tried to assassinate them while they were sitting in their car, walked up to the car, shot them, I think, multiple times. I haven't heard, Chad, uh, the last I heard that they were fighting for their lives in critical condition. Last I don't know I, if that's been updated. I haven't heard anything different. No, that's the last I heard, too. But, but the even more almost unimaginably despicable conduct was that after this shooting occurred, BLM protesters mobilized – went to the local hospital ER where they were bringing these police, tried to block access to the emergency room while shouting, you know, we're glad the cops are dead. And then tried to storm, tried to storm the ER. Now, I want to say this carefully because I'm not somebody that advocates for violence But I will say this, Chad, the rules of engagement for people that are actively blocking an emergency room such that there are people whose lives are in the balance, those people should be shot on sight. (laughs) Wow. Well, that's that's one. And I want you to push back. Let me let me let me phrase it this way. Your daughter or your wife is in critical condition potentially has minutes to live because of some something's happened. Yeah. She's trying to get medical treatment at an emergency room. And there are people there who are preventing the ambulance 
and yeah. the attending personnel from allowing them to enter the hospital. Are you what saying you, shot if, to, shoot to kill or shoot to wound or doesn't matter? If you're shooting somebody, you're shooting them to kill them. I there know. is no such thing <laughs> as shooting. That was That's I, something I, Joe Biden invented. Yeah. You know, yeah. get a wing in the knee. My point is, is that in any legal scenario where, for instance, police are faced with the legitimate threat of serious bodily injury or death, mm-hmm. they're allowed in those kind of encounters to use lethal force. Yes. In my view, if you are intentionally preventing emergency personnel from providing life-sustaining treatment to someone who may have minutes or seconds to live, you are blocking that from occurring, you will be shot. I have absolutely no qualms with saying that that is the rule of engagement. It would be the same thing on a battlefield if, let's say, a terrorist is targeting the Red Cross or the UN when they're trying to take somebody who's wounded and do triage. Those people should be shot as well. I think I would try to find a way, if I could, to not shoot them, but I can see your point. And I, I watched the body, I watched the videos from LA. I, I watched that. And my contention would be the sheriff's department didn't push the perimeter out far enough. They should not have been standing at the crosswalk and the, the security gate. They should have been out in the street, keeping that whole thing clear for for emergency vehicles to come in and out. I, I, I think it's despicable. That I, I don't care if you have a problem with the police. You have an issue with the police. You don't go somewhere where somebody was attempted assassination, maybe end up being assassinated, and say, we hope you die. I'm sorry. If you had credibility, and I'm not saying they did, because in my opinion, they've, they've never had credibility in my eyes, you should lose all credibility. Joe Biden... And Kamala Harris should have stood up immediately and said, we condemn everything you stand for, everything you're doing. Now, I don't know if you read this article this week. Um, I think it was on Powerline. Somebody said every con- company that's standing up with BLM needs to be held accountable for what they're standing up for. You know, Because BLM is not, hey, we're just trying to get along. We're just trying to be... We're 93% of the time we're nonviolent, except I believe, if their numbers are right, 95% of the time the KKK was nonviolent. So you're more violent than the KKK, which you condemn, rightly so. Why are we standing up with BLM as organizations? What, what are you trying to prove to people that you support Marxism, that you support violence, that you support racism? Because let's call it what it is. They are racist towards the white man versus the black man. It's, not, it's still racism, even if you're not in power. What, why are we still here? Why are we still having this? Well, yeah, well, okay, so a couple of points, because I want to I just very quickly circle back to what you said. Uh, of course what they said is hateful and repugnant. That is not my bone of contention. Okay, you expect these people to spew hate in the same way that the Westboro Baptist Church spews hate. Okay, the issue for me is not that they're standing there chanting that they want police to die. We actually already know that's that's what some of their attitudes are. No, the legal issue for me is you are obstructing emergency medical care from someone who is potentially dying. And so I would be more than content to get on a bullhorn and say, you have five seconds 
to remove yourselves from the entry to the emergency room. Anyone who does not will be shot. Five, four, three, two, one, commence firing. I have, I have absolutely no qualms about saying that. I welcome someone pushing back and saying, Tony, that's not a Christian attitude. Um, there is a reason why police are empowered to use lethal force in those situations. And I'm sorry, a civilized society cannot tolerate mobs preventing people from getting access to critical emergency care. And if that is what they're going to do, then the response should be, fine, you have your five-second warning, you get one, you don't move, we will do whatever is necessary to remove you from blocking us from entering that hospital. And I I make no apologies for taking that position. Um, I, I simply, enough is enough with this. Now, as to your point, you know, relating to BLM, I want you to think about this, all of this mantra about it's mostly peaceful. Can you imagine if there was any other organization, particularly, let's say, some sort of right-wing group, alt-right militia, who had had produced the level of damage, mayhem, chaos, arson, and yes, murder in multiple cities in this country? Do you think you would be hearing calls for Let's not paint with a broad brush. Most of them are peaceful. No, there would literally be screams from the heavens that the president has to install martial law, bring in the troops, and eradicate these people. Properly so, right? The visions of cities burning as, let's say, guys were driving around in their General Lees with their Confederate flags atop them, it would be treated as an apocalypse, So the idea that somehow this group, because only Seattle and Portland and Kenosha and Philadelphia and Atlanta have burned, but it's mostly peaceful, that argument would never be made. It would never be considered. It would be laughed at and mocked as it should be for any group other than this particular group. You are 100% correct. And I guess that's where I'm struggling I'm struggling to figure out why everybody I see who's a Biden-Harris supporter dismisses it. You know, the the, uh, the, the huge board in their eye. And, and I would admit right up front, there's a huge board in my eye around Trump. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to be hypocritical here. I think Trump has all of his, his foibles and all of these things but I get tired of hearing how Trump incited these riots. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's just a flat-out lie. Trump did not start these riots. These riots were supposedly in favor of the George Floyd, or not in favor, but because of the George Floyd killing. What did Trump have to do with that? He had absolutely nothing to do with that, okay? And I'm tired of hearing how Trump mishandled COVID. I don't like the lockdowns. We've talked about that. But I got to be honest, I'm not sure what Joe Biden would have done differently were he president or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. What would they have done that would have somehow made COVID-19 not COVID-19? Because Well, they never care, they never care to explain that. That doesn't that doesn't matter. And there's my problem. You keep telling me you would he botched it. Okay. What did he botch and what would you have done? Don't tell me I'd have had more ventilators. Well, you didn't need all the ventilators you had. 
I would have had more testing. Well, guess what? That's the FDA, and the FDA didn't. They screwed that up. Now, is Trump responsible for the FDA? I guess ultimately because he's president of the country, he's ultimately responsible for the FDA. But he's not the scientist designing the test. He's not the scientist who botched the test. He's just ultimately responsible. But what was he supposed to do when they botched it? Was he supposed to say, oh, you screwed up. You should have used this other test, dummy. No. Biden, Clinton, it wouldn't have mattered who it was. They wouldn't I mean, have done any better with it. This they're saying now where they're being asked, you know, if there is a vaccine and Trump says it's okay, would you would you accept that? And and their response from Harris and Biden is, well, no, no. We 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 couldn't we couldn't accept any statement from Trump. Now, again, consider the idiocy of that because Chad, is Donald Trump down in the basement of the White House with a beaker no. um, mixing up the vaccine? So in other words, there are major pharmaceutical companies. Yeah medical companies that are attempting to formulate these vaccines Mm -hmm. consistent with what they do every time. The idea that somehow because they now have one and they present it and that Donald Trump is the messenger that it's suspect. I mean, again, these people are, this is like third grade thinking, right? It's just, well, anything that Donald Trump says can't, can't possibly be okay. Well, what what if the head of Pfizer came out and said, here's the vaccine. Are, are you going to accept it from him? Like, what's the standard? Well, there is no standard. You, you, you hit it right there. If Trump says it, it's wrong. doesn't matter what it is. It's wrong because Trump thought it was good. So, therefore, you must do the opposite because Trump thought it. So, everything he says is wrong and everything he thinks is wrong and everything he considers is wrong. So, he's wrong. He gets, he gets two Arab countries to sign a peace agreement effectively with Israel. But it's... it's uh, too little, too late. It's it's uh, not. It's just uh, window well, dressing. Not just that. I mean, that's expanded now. Look at what's going on in Serbia. Yeah, I mean, right. Complete, complete, deathly silence. Totally irrelevant. We don't really care about that. Well, because it, I think you have to believe people when they show you who they are. Trump is a narcissist. No question about that. He is a narcissist. He shows it every single day. But don't act like Biden and Harris. Or, the, or Pelosi or Schumer are in, out there for your best interest. I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I say it again. If they're a politician, I expect that they are lying, and they are self-serving, and they are doing what's best for them. Maybe it's good for me. Maybe it isn't. Actions speak louder than words. I don't care what you say because what you say is not the same as what you do. And I'm tired of hearing about – what was it, the poll – Joe Biden would be more empathetic. The best you come up with is Joe Biden would be empathetic. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's not a qualification for president. Empathy, while nice, even if it's true, which I'm not sure that it is, is not really a qualification for leading the free world. So I really don't care that you're empathetic if you're a bumbling fool who can't complete a sentence. That doesn't help me. And and I'm tired of hearing how... He, I saw an ad tonight on was I watching the NFL. He cares about health care because his daughter and his wife were killed in a car accident, and he took the oath of office while his son was in the hospital. And can you just imagine if he didn't have health care and his son Bo died, and he, if he hadn't had health care, I don't know what we'd have done. Come on. Well, no, no, and again, this is the usual – this is the kind of thing you hear when people tell you that you, know, you need to listen to Gabby – uh, Gabby Giffords on gun control and David Hogg on gun control because they're victims. Sure. As if, as if their status, and, and look, 
feel horrible. Gabby Giffords, it's a heroic story. Some uh, crazy man tried to kill her, right? David Hogg went through the the horror down in Florida at that school. But the idea that somehow that this invests these people with any additional level of not only moral authority, but more importantly, subject matter expertise. Oh, we just need to be quiet and listen to them because they're upset because they can empathize. Well, again, that's completely irrational. Well, they, they have no claim to any more authority than you or I or any other person that's discussing these sorts of issues. But that's kind of what you're getting at, this yeah. idea that, oh, well, Joe, Joe had this personal tragedy. That's great. Um, maybe, he's, maybe he can empathize, and that would be great when he wants to sit down with other families that have experienced this. But in terms of promoting particular policies to so, so-called solve these issues— well, what I want to know is not what empathy you have, but let me hear your plan. Yep. Let me see if you can make a coherent argument why it would work, and let's evaluate it in the real world. I don't really care whether you claim that you're empathetic or not. I, I don't want to belittle that because I'm happy he's empathetic. I don't necessarily believe that he's empathetic, and I certainly don't believe Kamala Harris is empathetic. But again, I don't think it matters. It's a nice to have. It's not, it's not a prerequisite for the job. It's not what you say, oh, boy, if we just had an empathetic president, all our issues would be solved. That's what we're missing. Prerequisite for the job, Chad? 35 and an actual born citizen. That's Actually being oriented to time and place and being able to formulate a sentence that most English speakers can understand. I want to read, if if you have, if you can get it, I think it's behind a paywall, um, Howie Carr, who's a really good columnist for, I think it's the Boston Herald or the Boston Globe, has collected a series of quotations from from Joe Biden, and these are unbelievable. I'm going to read this verbatim. This is just one of them. Okay, listen to this. This is Joe Biden speaking, by the way, with a teleprompter, I presume, (laughs) quote, he, Trump, promised his administration would enforce Every last buy an American provision on behalf of the American people and, mu- and what makes his wild claims and hopes, he now hopes we don't notice what he said or won't remember. And when he does follow through or doesn't do when follow through the exact opposite. Did you follow <laughs> that, Chad? I have no idea what he said there. That doesn't make any sense. Th- this is the man that, again, the gaslighters are telling us perfectly fine. He, the emperor, the emperor is sharp. As I said to one of my friends, he's sharp as a Hattori Hanso sword. This man. <laughs> now, by the way, if you don't, if you don't enjoy Quentin Tarantino movies, you will not, you will not get that reference. Um, I do not. <laughs> so this, we, we continue on with this farce and, and you know, you can't overstate this. I mean, Chad, consider what they are attempting to do. This man is plainly, we've said this for multiple weeks, but you have to repeat this. The man is deteriorating, progressively deteriorating Mm -hmm. in both ways before our eyes. And the idea that they simply are ignoring this. By the way, have have you noticed our friend? Has our (laughs) friend written a single word about this reality? Nope. Doesn't even touch it. This is a guy that parses every tweet that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth yep. with a jeweler's loop. Yep. Okay. Every foible, every utterance, every possible infirmity or problem. And so the guy that he, and he's not alone, he's, these are his fellow travelers, the guy that they want to be president, who they say is better in every way, more competent, 
They're watching this guy in real time. He can't even read from a teleprompter. He literally forgets where he is. He utters gibberish sentences like that, and yet they have no no concerns. No, nothing to see here. Move along. Not not an issue. Well, I want to address an issue that came up at, at uh, Trump's rally in Nevada where he said he thinks he's, he might be owed another four years in office. And the uh, the typical screamers went, oh, doesn't he know that he can't do that? Oh, he can't do that. I'm like, yeah, we know he can't do that. He knows he can't do that. He's messing with you yet again. I think he feels like you've hounded him for four years, not letting him govern because you wouldn't accept the election in 2016. But I think he knows he's not going to get another term if he wins this one. So get over yourselves. Just relax. It's okay. But our friend had to repeat that. Like, look, he doesn't, he doesn't even realize he can't do that. He's trying to, he wants to be in office for life. Trump's not going to leave. If he doesn't win, he's not going to leave the office. They're going to have to take him out with the military. That was Farhad uh, on CNN. He was talking about they're going to have to take him out with military police. I'm like, you know the you know the saying which which has become I think very apt in this era the uh, the demand for racism vastly exceeds the supply, <laughs> right? Yes, that is well, true. the same idea the same idea the demand for Donald Trump's tyranny vastly exceeds the supply, which is non-existent, and yet these people continue to fulminate mm-hmm. as if they're somehow living in Castro's Cuba. Oh, which by the way they would like. Yes. Good healthcare now, right? But so it's amazing. It's just like what what world are you living in? These are people that are happily typing on their computers, and you know our friend who's free to trash Donald Trump to his heart's content. Yet they're typing things like it's this is a strong man, this is a yeah. tyrant. We're living under uh, you know an incipient dictatorship. Do you understand what those words mean? Because <laughs> if not. you were, if you were, we wouldn't be listening to your deep yes. thoughts about Donald Trump on your blog or your Twitter feed because you would be in a dark, dank cell somewhere. Yes. I, I, it, the cognitive dissonance with, with that sort of thing just amazes me. It, it shouldn't amaze you, but you, you point out a good, good fact there that basically the fact that you have the ability to, to disparage the government tells you you don't live in the place you're disparaging so vehemently uh, as China. You know, uh, you can call it a dictatorship. I mean, those are words, but they lose all meaning when you continue to use them for a place that is not a dictatorship. Uh, This is the most important election of your lifetime, except for the next one in four years. Well, that will also be the most important one of your lifetime because they're all the most important one of your lifetime. Uh, I I just want to switch it a little bit and say... Do you think it truly matters who is president? Does it matter more who's running Congress? Well, uh, I guess the way I would answer that is it matters who's president if their party also controls Congress. I would agree with that. That's not exactly answering your question, but I think they go together. So, for instance— you know, I, I, I make no bones about the fact that I, I'm going to vote for, for Donald Trump because the alternative, uh, the crazy party, I, I'm sorry, I can't, can't go there. But if, if the result is a Joe Biden presidency with a Republican-controlled Senate, I don't think all that much changes in the country. On the other hand, given where the Democratic Party is right now, 
which is further to the left than at any point in their history. And again, we've talked about this idea that what you hear from the media all the time is that, you know, Ronald Reagan would not be recognized in today's Neanderthal crazed Republican right wing extremist party. Well, we've talked about the fact that if you go down sort of the policy agenda, from what Reagan would have wanted, and even what Trump is doing now, there's not a whole lot of separation. In other words, the the claim shift in sort of Republican policy, supposedly into the right-wing fever swamps, really hasn't happened. But if you do the same exercise, and you know what? You don't even have to go back to somebody like JFK. Go back to, gee, I don't know, Obama and compare where the Democratic Party is right now and where they were even four to eight years ago. And it is it's incredible how far, how how crazy left they have gone. So my point is, if Biden is in the presidency and the Democrats have the whip hand by controlling the Senate and the House, because they're going to keep the House then I think we do have some major problems because all of this this complete insanity is going to be passed through. The first thing that Chuck Schumer will do will be goodbye filibuster for legislative the legislative process, which people don't know what that is, basically means there's no more need for a supermajority. It's a straightforward 51 votes, you get it. And then this then all of the reins are off, right? AOC gets to start banning cow flatulence. The you know the the soy driven solar powered national monorail goes into effect. Everything, all of these completely unworkable, destructive, pie in the sky initiatives, they're going to be fast tracked, and that that to me is there is going to be some major there's going to be major damage that's done. But so that, the point is, I think you have to control both. You can't if you have only one. Even if you have Congress, because if you ha- if you have Congress but the president's there, he vetoes everything. How do you- and you're not going to have enough votes to override that. Uh, so I I think I think if the Republicans keep the Senate, I agree with you. It doesn't really matter who's the president. It doesn't really matter who's in the House. I think if you're right, if it's all Democrat controlled, then it's an issue. I think if Trump wins the presidency but loses the House and the Senate, then he's going to be impeached every other week. And if there's enough votes in the Senate, they're going to get rid of him. I mean, it, it depends on how much... But again, they're not going to have enough votes in the Senate because they also need a supermajority for that. And they're not going to be able to change that. Okay? No. The, the rules regarding the filibuster are not in the Constitution. Right. Okay? So, but the rules regarding removal of a president are in the constitution well, i'm saying i don't know how many they're going to have in the senate you know we, oh, they're, we're they're, thinking 51 they 52 need, but they would need what 66 right correct 67 they're not they're not getting from what do they have now 40 48 49 yeah i can't remember that total i can't remember if it's 51 49 but they're not gaining 18 seats yeah but what they've already got mitt romney Maybe. Uh, I, I certainly, look, you know, I, I'm no huge fan of Mitt, but um, I don't even think Mitt is going to go along with some, you know, here's Jerry Nadler with the renewed impeachment scrolls. Uh, he's not, I don't think he's going for that. But the bottom line is that there's simply no way they're going to come close to the votes that they would need for a removal in the Senate. 
Uh, I, I mean, even if they get 55, they're, you know, they're still, they're still 10, 11 people away from that. Yeah. So I, I, I just feel like we're putting a lot of energy into Trump versus Biden. And I don't want Biden to win because I think he's a horrible candidate. I think Kamala Harris is a snake waiting to strike and run the presidency. And I don't think Trump is without his own faults. I just, I'm not sure if all the animus and all the anger and all the strife really makes a difference in the end if Congress is divided still. If the Senate is still Republican and the House is still Democrat, I'm not really sure what other than the, the president gets to set, you know, who the, who the uh, Supreme Court, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg leaves this mortal coil, it might be a Democrat nominating her replacement. I mean, that's really what we're talking about at this point. Yeah, which also doesn't, which also doesn't change the composition of the court because they're just going to install another right. rock solid leftist for one that's the, for the one that's leaving. The only you know the only replacements that matter are the ones that, that can shift right. the composition. Meaning, if there's a Democratic president who's republic who's replacing a shall we say conservative originalist member of the court, well then that's that's a change, but. Any of the four that are the reliable sort of left-wing, liberal, whatever you want to call them, justices, they go and another one pops up in his or her place, well, then we're in the same, we're in the status quo. Right. Nothing has changed. I guess that's all I'm saying is we're putting a lot of thought and anger and angst into this, and I'm not sure that at the end of the day it changes a whole lot what we're looking at because if Trump wins another term, He's going to have another four years of our friend and all of his cronies out there bemoaning the fact that we're, we're the worst it's ever been. It's horrible. It's awful. The world's about to end. And in four years after that, he'll be gone anyway. You know. And well, I guess the, only, the only thing I would say is I think I generally agree with you, but it will be incredibly disturbing to me if Joe Biden manages to win, and of course, in most of the polls, he's supposedly leading, although we could talk about how reliable those polls might be. But given what the country has observed, and again, the media has done their best to prevent the country from observing anything that would reflect badly on Joe or his party, that's their job now as the leading tip of the spear for the resistance. But just what we have seen in the last three or four months with this outbreak of, of complete and utter chaos, mayhem, ongoing rioting. And this is all, and everyone knows this, this is all fomented by the left. Mm-hmm. Okay? Antifa is the left. Not, not everybody knows that, or at least to admit that, but I agree with you. Oh, they, well, they may not admit it, but they're lying. I mean, let's be honest. They're, this isn't even a good faith debate. Okay, The people that don't admit that, it's not, it's not like the debate over, you know, you can have a reasoned debate over economic policy. People that are looking you in the eye and saying that Antifa is somehow not on the left or that BLM is not on the left, they're lying to you. They're, they think you're stupid. They're insulting your intelligence. And, and they're saying things because, uh, you know, that's apparently what they believe their role is to support whatever their worldview is. But everyone understands that those are both organizations uh, that are of the left, and they are aided and abetted, uh, and in many cases uh, encouraged by many, many members of the Democratic Party. And before you tell me that, no, 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 Tony, that's a complete slander, and Joe went out there, and he just said he's opposed to it, my question would be, when did you hear that before the polls were shifting? Because 
That's the first time he said a single thing. And they went for four days of a, of a convention. And it was if, as if that didn't even exist in the world that they inhabit. None of that was going on. It wasn't mentioned. It wasn't discussed. And Joe Biden still has not, by name, come out and said, as he should, I support people who believe that black lives matter. Every American should believe that. But the BLM organization and what they are fomenting in our streets is anti-American and it's unlawful and they need to be stopped. Joe Biden, of course, will never, ever say that, not even under waterboarding, because that is not something that he can do. Nor has he come out and said anything about Antifa by name, which he he should be basically saying the people that are dressed in black, that are setting fire to courthouses and looting businesses, businesses owned by the minorities that we claim to care about, they are a domestic terrorist group, and police officers should be arresting them with as much haste as possible to remove them from our streets and to imprison them for the maximum period of time permitted under law. Joe Biden will never say that either because he understands that those are the shock troops for his base and that will not be permitted. So I don't want to hear any mewling about Joe Biden coming out and strenuously objecting to all the violence. He has not and he will not. Well, he can't because it's the only thing ginning him up. So I Step back, I don't know, February. Let's go back to February for a second, prior to the COVID outbreak. Joe was basically a dead man walking. And I don't mean that in a literal sense of what he is now, but from a political standpoint, he was a dead man walking. Yeah, if we don't have COVID, Trump, Trump potentially wins like a Reagan-Mondale kind of election. Well, so it was Bernie Sanders who looked like he was going to take the nomination the Democrats rallied around anybody with a pulse who wasn't Bernie Sanders, and somehow Joe ends up running away with the Democratic nomination. But I think we talked about this. Does, does COVID causing the lockdown, does the lockdown truly and completely benefit Biden in a way that in any other normal circumstance, let's say he got the nomination, but he's got to be out there and be the gaffomatic that he always is. Does Having him in his basement reading his teleprompter, however poorly he does that, does that get him to where he is today simply because he didn't have to leave his house? He didn't have to go out and be the idiot that we know he can be. Is that, does that save him and keep him looking at least as a passable corpse, or is it, does it, did it matter in the long run to this point? You mean COVID matter? Well, no, COVID matters, but did COVID keeping everybody at home – and forcing Biden to not have live events and not have to go press the flesh and not have to make, because let's, let's be honest, well, this is his. Uh, Biden is that the lockdowns immolated our economy. Yeah. So, so it's not directly COVID. It's the decisions in response to COVID, which took what was on the trajectory to being, just a roaring economy. I mean, vastly outpacing the, uh, you know, the, the miasma of the Obama years. When what, what were we promised that you know basically 2%. You know, the days exceeding two percent, you know, GDP growth, those are over, right? So what what the lockdowns did is yeah, it created an economic crisis, an unprecedented economic crisis in the sense of how quickly 
we manage to destroy our own economy. And what that simply allows is that the challenger now is at least in the middle of Trump doesn't necessarily get blamed for that, but many, many people are suffering. Many, many people are unhappy, millions of people. And so that can't possibly benefit the incumbent. No, I mean, it may not detract from him, but it, but it inherently reduces his ability to say, look how you're doing now. Because you know what? Everyone's not doing well. Everyone's panicked. Everyone has anxiety. People are going bankrupt. People are in depression. I mean, this is a major deal. And that, of course, helps Biden because then he can exploit that and to the extent it's possible, try to blame, as the media has done incessantly, the reason this is happening is because the bad orange man cannot lead. What we need to do is emulate the Grim Reaper, Governor Cuomo, who has more deaths in New York than I think most other countries, right? Yeah. So they play this gaslighting game. And to your point, I don't think Biden, given his current, by all appearances, declining, if not health, mental state, I don't think he could have done a normal campaign. So, so it gives him cover where they can say, well, he can't be out. It's COVID. It's unsafe. Right. Because if he had had to be an out 24-7 on the stump, I don't think he makes it to the finish line. I'm not saying he would have died. What I'm saying is I don't think he would have been able to do it. They would have had to say time out, bed rest, skilled nursing, whatever. And I mean, you know, I, I'm not trying to joke about this. But the, the, what I'm joking about is the idea that people are pretending that this guy is okay, that well, he's rock solid, that there's not a problem. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is this is his third attempt at running for president. I don't think a lot of people remember that. He ran in 88 and had to drop out because apparently he couldn't help himself from lifting whole cloth other people's words and speeches. He's really good at stealing. Uh, he ran in 2008. I don't think anybody remembers that because he made no impact whatsoever in 2008. So that, if we're being fair, he was at least awake in 2008 and certainly in 1988. Why now? He was awake in 2016 still. Well, yeah, he was somewhat awake. Still in 20, but why, why now when he is let's say whatever the height of his powers were, why in 2020 does he get the nod? Is there literally nobody else? You just answered your question. Keep going. Well, there is nobody else. Yes, there's literally nobody else. So if we look at the National Registers, socialists, there's 330 million approximately in this country. Contrary to Joe Biden, there are not 720 million women in the American workforce because we don't have 720 million people the American workforce. But let's say there's 330 million people, roughly 51% registered, well, registered voters are Democrats versus Republican. You're telling me in, let's say, 100 million people, there's not somebody, literally anybody, better qualified, awake, cognizant, with a functioning brain and putting sentences together that could have run on the Democratic Party. I mean, I know that well, you can say it's the Republicans, but okay, too. But that's a little bit... I know it's a bit stretched, but... You're presenting a, an argument that, that isn't realistic, which is, of course, in a vacuum, I could probably walk through my neighborhood yeah. and find 15, 30, 50 people who are more, uh, let's say, 
you know, oriented to reality, not in mental decline, very smart. But, but of course, that's not really the, the pool of individuals we're selecting. No, okay, for. so we'll go back. There's 48 in the Senate. Yeah. I know a bunch of them ran, but there's 48 in the Senate. There wasn't... Yeah, didn't like a third of them run? That's what I mean. <laughs> you, you're telling me that the, the vast talent pool... It like, so make this clear. We're told on a daily basis that progressivism is the way of the future. This is what everybody wants. Climate change and uh, free meals and free everything. That's what everybody wants because that's what we're told. Right. So you have at least 48 senators, a third of which who did run for president, but obviously weren't exciting enough for anybody to actually care. And then you, you take the House, and typically you don't get a lot of people running from the House, regardless of the party, that make a, a national impact because it's a very regional uh, location that you, you come from, other than AOC for some reason. So why are we here with Joe Biden? Because I don't understand. Why were we with Trump in 2016? Same issue. Put your finger on exactly what the reason is. And, and, and it's, it's perceptive. So what you just pointed out is that we are assured, bombarded every day with the idea that America is woke. And everyone wants the left-wing utopia that has been promised to us. And it is so appealing. Everyone loves it. And yet, your question is, why then... Do we have Joe Biden, mm -hmm. the moderate? Why are we <laughs> emphasizing his moderation? Because fundamentally, in order for progressives to get elected on a national platform, they have to lie about their agenda because the devil's in the details. And you can talk in great generalities about unity and about justice. But when you actually start telling people, oh, by the way, your taxes are going to go up by $4,000 and you might be criminalized for using the wrong pronoun and we're going to let felons vote. And we believe that all of those people that are coming to America really don't need to be citizens. And by the way, you're also going to pay for their health care. When you start actually telling them what the policies are, oh, and yes, we want unrestricted abortion on demand up to the point of crowning. Does that sound a little icky to you? Okay, well, just, just call it pro-choice. It's fine. Um, no one actually wants that, or let's put it this way, not enough people for them to win an election. And so what they need to do, as they always do, is present a happy, moderate face on their extremism. And in this situation, when they canvass the field, the only guy that could apparently pull that off because of how far to the left they've lurched is Joe Biden. Even though Joe is no moderate and never has been, what I say is when, they, when the media says he's moderate, he is in the center between like Katrina Vanden Heuvel of the nation and Larry O'Donnell on MSNBC. <laughs> Joe is smack in the middle of their sort of political continuum. That's a moderate. Well, I guess if that's talk about this, the Pod Save America podcast, it's uh, I think John Favreau from the Obama crew runs it. And there's actually a funny clip of him. I never listened to that. Uh, but there's a funny clip of him discussing with hilarity the idea that, in this case, Kamala Harris is a moderate. <laughs> and what he's laughing about is saying, hey, listen, if that's what the media wants to call her, I love it. Like, fantastic for us. Right. But she, she's about, you know, as moderate as, as Lenin or whatever. <laughs> so you, you hit it right there. They can't get elected on their actual policies, so they lie. 
goes back to my previous statement. All politicians lie. But if you see what they do, and I don't care which party you agree with, if you see what that party does and you don't agree with what they're doing but you still support them, aren't you just agreeing with them? I mean, isn't that what our friend says? If you voted for Trump, then you're complicit in all of the bad things that Trump does. Not anything that Woodrow Wilson did. If you voted for Woodrow Wilson, you weren't a racist because you voted for Woodrow Wilson just because he was a raging racist. Uh, But if you voted for Trump, you're obviously a racist, xenophobe, and, you know, you can't be a Christian. that's That's the rub. So I guess history to a history professor doesn't really mean what I thought it would mean, which was you actually have an objective view of history. But my point is, it, we, keep, we keep listening to their words. I, I don't know how many times to say this. We keep listening to what they say, and what they say is not what they do. So if they don't do what they say, and you don't like what they do, stop voting for them. And that's everybody. I don't care what party. Stop voting for the people who continue to do what they, what they say they're gonna, not going to do, they continue to do. Stop doing this. If you don't want crowning abortions and you don't want, uh, you know, Green New Deal that basically bankrupts you, then stop voting for the people who keep pushing this crap on you. If you want it, I guess you're going to keep voting for it. But if you don't want it, don't do it. The problem is that there is a large number of people who don't fully understand that good intentions and sort of this sugary, wonderful language about, you know, I mean, the Green New Deal, it sounds fantastic. Sure. We're going to save the earth. We're not going to pollute Gaia, right? We're going to, everyone's going to have their hemp huts and we're going to, we're going to ride tandem bikes to work and the polar bears will be able to drink Coke on their ice flows because they won't be extinct anymore because Chad has an SUV, right? This all sounds so wonderful, except when you then start drilling down into, well, you do realize that right now 4% of the world's energy runs on biofuels, right? So that means wind, solar, basically, um, you think we're going to transition off of fossil fuels in 10 years? Right, we're going to have we're going to have a giant continent-sized blimp with a special solar reflecting light, like some kind of bond. No, of course it's so it's complete fantasy. And the same thing. We're well free, free everything, free college. We're, we're going to everyone's going to get their own sustainable income. And, and again, how are we how are we doing this? Well, the the money tree and we're going to print a few trillion dollar coins and Bernie's going to tax speculation and conjecture and we'll, we'll have it done. So their entire premise is fundamentally dishonest yet. There's people that want to believe this because it sounds, sounds wonderful. I mean, look, think about socialism, right? Doesn't it sound wonderful, Chad, that everyone, everyone will have what they need yeah. And, and by the way, who, who gets to determine what your, they need? Your betters, obviously. Do you think that a government that gets to determine what people need sounds like a government you want to live under? No, it does not. No. And what's the rest of it from their abilities? So what does that mean exactly? <laughs> from 
how, how, explain that to me. Who? So who's going to decide what your abilities are, and you're going to be called to use them in the service of providing what other people need? I need a whole bunch of things, Chad. Yeah, you're not going to get I, them. I need, I really need a Porsche 911 GT3. You're not going to get I them. really need some kind of hovercraft because I think that would be very cool. Please show me the person whose abilities can provide that for me because I want to put them to work right now. But again, these are the ideas that people latch onto and say, well, this, again, what, what about the whole, uh, what, what are some of the sloganeering for, you know, the whole like war, what is it good for, right? Yeah. Coexist. Well, what if the other people don't want to coexist? Well, then they're bad people, and you need to. What about you know, what Dennis Prager says about the the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? <laughs> he says he says yeah. you know I, I I mean he has I think he has like advanced degrees in this post postgraduate degrees, and he says I was told in all my classes at Columbia that you know this is the most complicated, thorniest dispute. He said no, it's not. You know what it means? Here's how you understand the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Have you heard Have you heard what this is, Chad? I have. Go ahead. One then. side. One side. Once the other side dead. Yep. That's the complicated relationship there. But yeah. somehow we think that, again, the very smart people think, well, if we only send pallets of cash to the world's largest sponsor of terrorism and capitulate to them, that will make it better. What could go wrong? <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, we're going to circle back on that at another time, but I wanted to get into uh, that it takes all of us. Um, and I, I don't know if you know that it takes all of us. For a child? No, it, it just takes all of us. Uh, I don't know if you watched football this weekend, uh, but it takes oh, all no. of us. It takes all of us. Um, so it takes all of us to turn the channel. It could be. Or, or to end racism, uh, apparently, but it takes all of us. So the NFL has allowed this um, creeping miasma of stupidity to enter football fields. Uh, they've allowed players to put names on the back of their helmets on the little pad on the back where it used to say Rydell. It now says something stupid or a phrase or a person's name. Um, and the Steelers were playing tonight. And, you know, I'm a Steelers fan. And I'm looking at, looking at the screen. And I, I see them before the game. They hold up their big sign of Steelers and racism or something to that effect. And I'm like, I, I would assume that other than, I mean, there was like two white guys holding that sign. I would assume all the black guys are not in favor of racism, right? Did you need to hold a sign for me to know that? I'm, I'm not really sure. So then I look, they, they pan around some of the players, and Ben Roethlisberger has a name on the back of his helmet. I know you didn't see this, so I'll tell you who it was. Uh, it said Antoine Rose Jr., Probably not a name that r runs off the tongue. You've probably never heard that name before, have you? So Antoine Rose Jr. was a 17-year-old African-American boy who was shot and killed in East Pittsburgh in June of 2018 by a cop. Only one little problem here that the Steelers are honoring this gentleman. Uh, he was involved in and most likely was the uh, shooter in a drive-by shooting and was picked up by the police because he and his car and the people in the car fit the description of the shooters. Uh, he was later found to have gun residue, gunpowder residue on his hands, but
but he was shot as he was running away from the police as they were arresting the driver of the car. But it was caught on video, and he was shot by a cop. The cop was charged and acquitted in, in a four-day trial. But that's who we're honoring. We're sure. honoring a kid who was involved in a drive-by shooting, whether he was the shooter, there's some dispute whether he was the shooter or a passenger, but he was there, and the, somebody in that car shot at somebody. It didn't just happen. There were bullet holes in the car. This is what we're honoring. So that's just one well, that, person. Okay, but why does that surprise you? For instance, how many people have you seen walking around with Che Guevara shirts? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, this moral blindness is nothing new. No. I mean, that, that man's a, a thug and an assassin. He murdered and tortured thousands of Cubans. Yeah. Uh, Not a put good them guy. Up against his red wall, shot them in the head. We have we have supposed uh, thought leaders, intellectuals that that think the guy is uh, some sort of romantic revolutionary. You have people that like Walter Duranty for the New York Times, uh, who who basically hid Stalin's murder of tens of millions of people, and you still have people that apologize for this kind of stuff. So this is nothing new. There's some sort of sickness. Uh, that in, that infects certain people where they kind of have what I'll call moral inversion. Yeah. Or they right where they want to have a case of the vapors because Chick Fil A's owners, you know, as an example, are Christians who don't believe in gay marriage, but they're perfectly fine with Iran, which hangs homosexuals from cranes and stones them to death. Yes. Right? They don't. The, these sorts of kind of what you would think is, well, isn't that kind of a disconnect? Like you're, wait, you're angry at Rush Limbaugh, but you're defending Hamas. Um, These things exist all the time. So why does it surprise us now with, again, these sort of know-nothings that I'm sure Ben Roethlisberger has no idea about any of the facts that you just recited? I would agree with that. Or or he's been told in a certain way that isn't actually factual. Somebody told him that this was yet another African-American who was shot by an evil racist cop, and that's all he needs to know. Yes, that is what I think has happened. So I guess my point is, and we've been kind of alluding to this the last couple of weeks, at what point do sports, and, and last night's Sunday night football game was down 28% in viewership. It was Rams, Rams Cowboys, could, America's team, America's team, playing the Rams, and it was down 28% from last year, okay? I am struggling to understand why you base – and the NBA's down, and, and is, is baseball still playing? I don't even know. NHL is apparently still playing. Why, what, is, what is the ownership and the leadership of these organizations – is there a version to being successful that they just don't want to be successful, that they, they hate themselves that much they don't want to be successful? Because no, it's, it's one of the great questions. It demonstrates, it demonstrates sort of the almost cult-like power of ideology mm. because to your point, you know, NASCAR as well, okay? NASCAR went full woke. And, and so the question is, as you said, Evaluating this from a rational perspective, we assume that the very successful and wealthy men that run all of these sports, they're they're driven and motivated by the bottom line. 
That's how they got to where they are. And so here's the proposal. Okay. Here's the proposal to the leadership of the NFL. Look, I have an idea for you. Okay. Listen to this. It's a great idea. What you need to do is adopt an explicitly political position uh, that none of your core audience likes or desires. And you need to shove that in their face every week which is going to cause 50 to 60% of your most loyal fan base to gradually leave, which will cost you millions upon millions of dollars in revenue. But the good news is that you will be liked by the very small percentage of people who think this political position is relevant and is favorable. Oh, by the way, those people hate your sport and want it to be destroyed anyway. And so you can accomplish this for them by going on a suicide mission. How does that sound like a business model? And all of these so-called very well compensated, intelligent, reasonable people said, sign us up. Sign yeah. us up for the kamikaze mission. We're all in. Give me more of that. I, I, my wife turned to me tonight and she said, I'm confused how all these people who are very wealthy, and when we're talking about the players, are telling me how disadvantaged they are. How disadvantaged they are. Not everybody on the football team makes millions of dollars. But I think the, the veteran minimum is close to a million dollars. I'm confused how you're so disadvantaged that you get to play a sport. Agreeably, it is a violent sport. But you get paid a lot of money to do it, and you're telling me you're disadvantaged somehow. I'm confused. Patrick Mahomes telling me, I just feel like, you know, basically uh, I'm, I'm a target. You're making $50 million a year. I'm sorry. I'll be a target for $50 million a year. You know, I don't think that's the right argument because being a target and making $50 million a year are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Those two things could be true. Sure. The reality, though, is that they're not true and that, in other words, we have objective factual information that shows that they're not true. And so people like Patrick Mahomes and LeBron James and all the rest, they're living in a fantasy world of victimization because, you know what, for a lot of people, being a victim feels really good, right? It gives you some sort of moral cachet. And the other thing is, I made this comment the other day to a friend of mine that you remember the movie uh, The Devil's Advocate? Yep. So for those people that don't know the movie, the basic plot is that Al Pacino plays the devil and he's attempting to seduce a young – he's a lawyer. He runs a huge law firm, of course. And uh, he's trying to seduce Keanu Reeves' character who is this tremendously gifted young prosecutor. And essentially the movie's an allegory and it turns out that Keanu Reeves is his son and he wants to corrupt him and have him take over his kingdom. And Keanu Reeves at the very end of the movie – uh, finds his soul and says, no, I will not be part of this. He basically kills himself to prevent Al Pacino from getting his way, right? But at the end of the movie, after that happens, the plot sort of resets, and we don't know. It's kind of like this has all been a dream, and Keanu Reeves is back where he started. And so Lucifer starts to try to tempt him again, right? We're going to start the process over. And Pacino's closing remark is, vanity is my favorite sin, which is a very, very telling and I think scripturally accurate. But my point here is moral vanity feels really good. Yeah. Okay. That's what's going on here. These people that say, 
I am the most outraged by racism. No, no, I have the most hashtags about injustice. No, I am the most upset about my white guilt, okay? All of that sort of moral vanity and moral preening feels fantastic. And so who cares if, you, if you've got $10 million or $1, it doesn't matter. It gives you the same sort of rush And so that's what we see going on. It's this performance theater because it makes people feel better about themselves. They feel like they're part of a cause, right? Um, Hans Freen, I think his name is, wrote a really good essay, which he called Selma Envy, where he talked about how the LGBT crusade had sort of hijacked the language of the civil rights movement, right? Because they needed to feel like they were part of this crusade, even though there's nothing at all similar about those two things. And it's the same dynamic here. That's what's going on. Well, and I guess that's where I'm I'm struggling as a consumer of sports to feel like you're alienating me at every turn you possibly can. And I don't – we've said this before. I've said this multiple times. I do not care what you think about politics at all, ever, as a, as a, as a sports person. I do yeah. not care what you think. So if I'm tuning in, I'm tuning in to watch the sport. Your uh, opportunity to share your views does not make me want to watch the sport. So ESPN came out last week and said they're going to go out of their way to show what happens before the games because they don't call it, it's not politics, it's social interaction, it's social. I mean, if you watch the crawl on ESPN tonight, they get talking about the Steelers Held a banner and twenty giants knelled and what what does that have to do with the game? I do not care. And but I, but just being look, ESPN is no longer uh, a sports network. They're a politically activist network that happens to televise sports. That that's their new mission statement. Yeah, and well, we'll see. I think that sooner or later, the only the only way this is going to change is because let's face it. The people at the top of this thing, they don't feel any day-to-day pain from this. But if it persists over a period of years and those multi-billion dollar contracts that they're locked into for all of these rights to show. Because remember, what does ESPN really produce? ESPN does not produce any original programming other than probably 30 for 30, right? Right. Other than that, what is ESPN? They basically are a vehicle by which you can watch all of the most important sporting events. They purchase the rights to show those events to their core audience. If they lose that and there's more and more cord cutting, what is, what is ESPN actually? There, there's nothing left. It's a shell. Well, there's, yeah, there's nothing left. This just came in. Uh, the L.A. County Sheriff called on LeBron James to match the reward for finding the gunman who ambushed his deputies. You think he'll do it? He might, only because I think he'll realize that uh, what's the possible reason that he wouldn't? Because BLM doesn't want him to. He wouldn't. BLM doesn't want that. Well, and LeBron has enough sort of, you know, LeBron, as we've said, has rabbit ears. He, 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 he is hypersensitive about anything. And yes, he is. He's leading the woke brigade, but I bet he will. I bet he will. 
Although it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. I mean, he may be so in the tank for this thing that he may decide that, no, nah, no, I can't support the police. They're all bad. They're all bad. And that's why, that's why LeBron is quaking in his boots every morning before he goes, goes to practice in the bubble because some rogue cop might come running around the ball rack and shoot him. Oh, gee. That's probably true. Last thing, uh, Joe Rogan offered to host a four-hour debate yeah. between Biden and Trump, and Trump said, sure, I'll do uh-huh. it. Uh, Biden has yeah, not right. said anything. That's like, look, I, I will leave with this. I'm not convinced. I'm wagering that Joe Biden will not be participating in these debates. I agree. I, I, he has nothing to gain. Well, how many weeks out? We're still like two weeks out from the first one? Uh, Supposedly. Yeah, I think so. October, certainly. I, I don't think, I think there'll be a reason. I He'll have some reason not to do it. I, because I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can physically make it through. And look, we all know he's going to be getting, you know, Joe, what's your favorite pet? You know, actually, the, the questions are, the questions, all of them, if you noticed, are always of this nature. Joe, um, how much like Hitler really is Donald Trump? Right. It's it's never it's never about Joe's policies because Joe can't can't explain his policies. So it's always one of these, you know, tell us how much like Jeffrey Dahmer Donald Trump really is. <laughs> you but say can't even, explain. I don't think he knows what his policies are. Even in that setting, I don't think Joe can last. I don't think he I mean, you watch him in these highly scripted, tightly controlled videotaped. You know, they walk him through it probably 15 times. Yeah. You know, they've got the they got the, the ink on his palm. You know, Joe, when you get in trouble, read the and, and he uh, can barely do it. He can't be on a stage with Donald Trump for two hours answering questions. He can't. What's that say about him, though, as a candidate? I mean, if if your candidate can't stand it's on stage and talk for two hours, Chad, the man, and I don't say this in a cruel way, the man needs to be in some sort of assisted living environment. I don't say that as a joke. I know. Well, it's not a he, joke. He might be in his own home. He might be having a twenty four seven nurse. We Look, don't know. you read you read anything from anyone, and I understand doctors don't diagnose from afar. But if you read anyone who is a fair minded neurosurgeon, neuropsychologist, anyone with any background in those disciplines who watches this guy for 10, by the way, you don't have to be an expert, right? Who watches him for 10 minutes. They say, this is a man in some process of organic brain disease. That's what's going on. That's not a rhetorical feint. I'm not, I'm not, you know, cause it's partisan and I don't like Joe. Anybody who says they watch this guy and think that he's okay and that he's with it, and that he's mentally competent to fulfill the duties of the president of the United States is lying. They are lying to you. Sorry. Well, where's that doctor who said that Donald Trump had dementia? What was that doctor's name? I can't remember the doctor's name. Well, there were tons of them. I mean, there's still the one, there's a lady from Harvard, I think, that continually diagnoses Donald Trump as having, you know, multiple DSM-5 ailments that he should probably be whisked away and, you know, put in the sanitarium. Yeah. Well, why aren't they uh, doing the same thing with Those with are psychological. Biden. Those are psychological issues, allegedly. We're not even alleging that Joe has psychological issues. He is in precipitous cognitive decline in front of our eyes, and we're all going to pretend that he's, he's great. Well, then, then the question becomes, if you think Donald Trump has Alzheimer's dementia, and numerous people have said that, are you using your eyes on the other guy? 
No. Or are you being completely dishonest at all times and not even looking at the guy? You're being completely dishonest. Okay. That, or you're simply so in your bubble, and this is possible, if the only news that you get is from MSNBC, the New York Times, and the Washington Post, and you really don't actually watch any of the videos of Biden having these repeated problems, then maybe you're blissfully ignorant of the state that he's in right now. But you know what? Anyone who's even reasonably intelligent and attuned to politics, I don't believe that. They know they don't care because all that matters is removing that orange man. So whatever it takes, weaken it Bernie style, we're going to get it done. Well, that's, we'll see how that goes. Uh, there's going to be lots to talk about in the next couple of weeks, so uh, stay tuned, folks. I got nothing else. You got anything you want to get off your chest? Finito for me. Finito for Tony. All right, thanks for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.